Let's go. Hello, and welcome to Sustain Open Source Design. Is it Sustain Our Design? No, it's Sustain Open Source Design. Yes, yes. Sustain Open Source Design. SOS. <laughs> what are you calling <laughs> Hola, bienvenido a Sustain Open Source Design Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about sustain and open source and design and open source design and sustaining open source, all the cool things that are the confluence between what is a designer and what is code that's been permissively licensed with a license approved by the OSI, blah, 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 blah. Fine text applies. Really excited to talk to our guests today. As you may have guessed, they are Spanish speaking, which is the best because I don't speak Spanish, but Memo Esparza, our other host today does. Memo, hola, como estas? Hola, bien, feliz de estar aquí. It's really good to have you here as well. And it's very good to be here. So listeners, that is the other host on this podcast. I am, of course, Richard Litauer. I don't know whether to say soy or estoy or something, but that's okay. Because our guest today, Clara Garcia Vignola, probably does. Clara is calling today from Madrid, where she works with Kaleidos as a designer. Clara says a lot of really cool stuff, and we're going to get into that. But before we do, Clara, ¿cómo estás? Muy bien. Gracias. Excellent. Nope. It's good to have you on here. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. Okay. You're a full stop designer, right? Your title is designer. A lot of designers wish they could have that title, but sort of have to fudge something around to make it work. Can you tell us yeah. how you got that role? What do you do and what your story is? Okay. My story is I started working in television <laughs> as a producer, but in my whole life, I always be a designer and a painter and my hobbies are related to design and I started making design things in my free time and more and more big became a job and at some point I was looking for a change I was working in EMC the television company and I was looking for something more related to my personality, to my thoughts, to my needs. And I found Kaleidos and a friend told me that they are looking for a designer and I applied to the job and get it like, wow. <laughs> and it is very difficult right now as a designer to get a job in a company that is open source, but not open source, but I work in Figma or truly open source. It was a big change for me because my background was working with proprietary tools and proprietary environments, but it was a really good change. And I started to get into Inkscape and get into the open source design community. And I understand right now that this was a life change for me because I found a company that fits with me and what I think that the world may be right now. I hope the world became a space that I feel comfortable as I feel in, in Kaleidos. So yeah, I started to design there. At the beginning, I started as a visual designer. My background is as a visual designer, but when I 
get there after a year or so, I became interested in user experience and I began to learn and start things about that. And Kaleidos gave me the opportunity to start as a UX designer. And because of that, I call myself designer because I do a lot of things and I don't like titles as much. So, <laughs> yeah. So, Clara, would you say that Kaleidos really fit with who you are? I'm wondering during your creative uprising, what kind of aspects of your personal philosophy fit with what you do at Kaleidos? I think that the most important thing that I always believe that you can impact to the world through your job. And with Kaleidos, I feel that. I feel that, that I'm making things that impact in a positive way in the world. Working in a, an entertainment environment, like, as I said, in television or so, you can impact it through the people, but it's entertainment, but it, it doesn't fit with the things that I wanted to do. So I think the impact through my work in Kaleidos fits more than the mindset that I have. I like that. I think... Focusing on impacts is super important. And Kaleidos does a lot of really cool stuff, right? So they build Taiga and they also have Penpot, of course. Yeah. So it's not like a small open source shop, right? It's, it's a pretty awesome company that has made tools that are used by probably millions of people, hopefully at yeah. least hundreds Taiga, of thousands. Yeah. Penpot, <laughs> Penpot, not right now. <laughs> we hope it in the future. But Taiga, yes, it's the biggest tool in open source. <laughs> It impacts in a lot of countries. We have a lot of languages translated. It's a worldwide community. So you're probably not the only designer there. Can you tell me a bit more about no. the design team that works at Kaleidos? Okay. In Kaleidos, we have three designers working in Penpot, visual designer, UX user screen designer, and me that I am a hybrid. <laughs> and in Daiga, we have two designers, a visual designer and a user experience designer. And we also have another one, another visual designer that works in Penpot, but also in communication and making things great like the website and social media and so. But she, Esther, also works uh, little user stories and tasks in Penpot because she's a very, very good visual designer. And it's like a power user for Prempot. It's like, can you design this? <laughs> and she finds a lot of books always. <laughs> it's amazing to have a really, really, really accurate visual designer working in Prempot. It's important to say that we design Prempot in Prempot. So we are like the premium users, but also it's difficult for us because we test in firsthand the new functionalities and new tools. <laughs> but it's important to say that we designed Penpot in Penpot. Well, following up with your team at Kaleidos, just curious how it's organized in terms of like, for example, do you guys use the same design system? Like, do you guys do like cross-team collaboration? How is that the aspect of working with open source in your team? Okay, I'm going to talk about Penpot. Taiga is a little bit different because the team is bigger and they are made right now a transition from the actual Taiga to a Taiga Next. 
and I'm going to speak about Penpot. It's important to say that we are an horizontal team. We have no bosses. We all work at the same level and we have sprints and we work with Taiga and we have a monthly meeting and we speak about how we want the tool is going to be in the next months. But we also make a lot of hearing from the users. We have a white community that it's always <laughs> reporting books, telling us what to improve and telling us enhancements. So we have this monthly checkpoint and all the team meets together and speak about what I think is probably the best way is right now is design that functionality. And at that point, a designer, any of us, takes the user story and start to design it. We have a design system and we work from that design system. That design system is open. And if, if you want it, you can download it from our website. We expect a lot more of templates, but we have a little bit of templates in our website. And one of that is the design system. So we all work from this design system. And also the developers have access to all of our designing files in Penport. If you work with us, you can go through all of our files. For example, our Taiga project is open. Any of you can right now and <laughs> see how, what are we doing this sprint this month. It's more an open source thing. <laughs> it makes sense. And I like it. I like it a lot. It's interesting hearing you talk because I'm seeing a lot of corollaries between Open Collective. Obviously, Memo works for Open Collective and has for a long time as the designer there. I work for Open Source Collective now. Hello, news, which is kind of fun. So I'm also part of that team, although I feel like I've been on the team for years anyway. All their sprints are open. All our sprints are open. Still haven't switched my pronouns entirely. And we have a design system that Memo has available. And it's also not the most hierarchical company. And it's also open source. And I just feel like there's a lot of overlap between these different worlds of mm -hmm. non-hierarchical circular companies, open source, open design. Yeah, And I guess Kaleido sounds wonderful. And you talk about how it's a company that fits you and you fit it. And it's <laughs> everyone is happy and there are unicorns playing in your backyard, right? It's the best. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> what I'm curious about is what are the downsides to having all of your design open source? And how do you mitigate those downsides? How is it hard? And what are you doing to make it easier? I think that the difficult part is not feel that you must do everything that all the users told you to do. Or even you as a designer, in my case, as a designer, I have worked always with design systems and components and libraries. And in Benpot, at some point, we realized that this functionality that we have in this point isn't working for a professional work. Me as a designer, my temptation is to tell the team, right now we need to improve the libraries. And so the hardest part is as a designer to think about what is better to pen bot and all kinds of users 
that you spend, but not you as a this particular designer. I think it's to take off the user hat. It's like, okay, I am working for a tool that I hope that being used in the future for a lot of profiles as a developers or product managers or marketing content managers or so, and not make a design tool made for designers that anyone can understand if you're not a designer. So I think that is the difficult part. I don't know what was first, like it was Penpot or Taiga? Taiga, Taiga. How did you guys at a product level, like a, at a product management level, decided that Penpot was the, the next idea to build? How that happened? I think Taiga right now is a solid product used across the world and it's very solid. And at that point, we create Penpot in a P-Week. That is, we have in Caleiros uh, two weeks a year, an innovation week. And two of our colleagues decided to create in one week <laughs> an open source design tool, web-based in a week. After that week, they decided to continue the project. And UXbox remained mostly alive for three years or so. But at some point, we realized that proprietary design tools for us, they are a pain. And we don't feel comfortable working with that tools. And every day we came to Kaleidos to work as a designer and with a proprietary tool. And that doesn't feel good. And we decided at some point that we are going to take the risk. And okay, we are at some point ending two big projects and we have enough money to take the risk and said, okay, we are not taking more outside projects and we are going to give it a try. And that works. But it was a leap of faith. We think that this is the right way and we are not feeling comfortable working with proprietary tools. Yeah, building up on the discussion about these other alternatives, just curious about how these other alternatives, specifically for designing digital products, was were a pain for you guys. How how they were, <laughs> how, how they were pain? Okay, at this point, we are working with Figma, and. From the start, I need to say that Figma works incredibly well and it is a very solid tool. But in terms of transparency and what is happening to the tool and pricing that changes every day, and we don't feel comfortable working with a tool that claims to be for a community and designers and so it doesn't get that feeling right. We feel that there's something high <laughs> in there. And also a uh, very, very important thing in Kaleidos is that designers and developers, we are working together always, every day. And for developers, Figma isn't the right tool. Figma is a tool that is not made for developers. It's a tool for designers. It's a tool for experienced designers with a lot of background and, and a lot of knowledge of how a design tool works. And in our team, there are a lot of developers that came into the designs and need to know the specs of, we don't design like, a, I'm going to design this and made a design and threw it through a wall like, <laughs> okay, now you're going to code this. It's not like that. 
it's not the way that we work. And Figma is made for teams that work like that. And for us, that is crucial. Sounds that we're talking about some open source standards that are above the SBG. Yeah, and uh, for example. Uh -huh. So you, you also mentioned that it's also important what information you disclose to your community to actually be open source and uh, uphold your open source values. Building up on that, how that happens for Kaleidos, like what kind of relationship you aim to have with your communities and how you guys enforce those values every day. Right now, it's important to say that we have a lot of ways for the users to communicate with us. We have our GitHub project open. We have Twitter. We have an email. We have a support email. We have Mastodon. We have a lot of ways for the community to speak with us. And the part that is missing right now, I think, is the design community to be more involved. But it's difficult for the designers to think that an open source design tool is worth the same that a proprietary tool. In their minds, open source is like a free thing, an easy peasy free thing that isn't attractive. And right now, that is the part that we are missing, the design community to be more involved with us. If you have <laughs> any ideas, <laughs> we are glad to hear it. <laughs> I wish I did. I, the closest we've come to having ideas of how to involve the design community more in our decisions as an open source community, I'm talking here specifically about the sustained design working group is let's have a podcast and let's have open workshops where people can come and like jump in. So we're also at a loss. Although if you're listening to this, we are succeeding. So that's, I guess, a plus. <laughs> yeah. I really like what you're doing at Kaleidos and I like how it's open source from the get go. I just worry that designers have to be in a company that is open source and like non-hierarchical or like slightly radical to have any hope of working in open source. Can you give me any evidence to the contrary, Clara? Like, do you know of any way to be involved in open source if you're not working at the super best company ever of all time? It's so difficult because the system is right now built in proprietary tools. It's like if you're a freelance, and you're going to work with some agency or so, they need the Figma file or they need the XD file or the uh, Photoshop file. I think right now is the system that is pushing the designers to work with proprietary tools because if you are working in a big bank or in a big four company, it's like a standard in the design world. It's tricky to get into that. But I think if you convince a small group of companies, not much bigger, it's like a small group of companies that start to working with a tool, an open source tool. I'm going to say Pempot. <laughs> but the thing that is good for us making Pempot is that we thought in a tool that is SVG based and web based. And that is perfect because you can take a Pempot file, export it to SVG and take it into your Figma team company file or in your 
whatever file. And it's web-based. You don't need to install it in your computer. And you don't need to have a Mac computer to work with that. And I think that is the way to make that change. You don't need to through all your Figma files, or you don't need to stop working with Figma or whatever tool you are working with. I'm saying Figma a lot because right now is the standard, I think. And I think that is a way. I just had a small epiphany, which I kind of like, that 40 years ago, no one was working in open source design. Every designer was working in their small project alone, for the most part, I'm assuming. Especially like 60, 80, 200 years ago, designers probably didn't have massive user groups where they were able to share things equally fast. So it's really cool, actually, that we have this opportunity. And right now, yeah, of course, the people who are on the edge are going to be able to lead a bit there. But by sharing these tools and making them accessible, it's we're blazing the way towards actually allowing people to use open source tools and to work together and collaborate in the open more. And so that it's small isn't the problem. It's just the beginning. So that's just one way to make it maybe less depressing. I yeah. Think Another thing that is important that we always work with a thought in mind that is we think a design tool must be a design tool that can be used in every country, any language, or any speed connection of internet. Like if you are working in South Africa or in Senegal, Maybe you don't have the optic fiber as we have in Europe. And you also need designers there. And that is another way to make a change. It's like we are thinking also in other kind of designers. Maybe they are not the users that most tools want to have, but they are also important. And that is a way to make that change like thinking in other kind of designers like we are always thinking in european north american designers and speaking in spanish english or chinese and the world is bigger than that we always work with that in mind that they are a lot of designers in the world that are expecting something like that i love that I kind of hope that you and Memo start a new podcast in Spanish talking about this stuff. I don't know. I, I don't want to put you on the spot. I just think like, it's really sad. You know, like, uh, no, that's pretty odd. It'd be so much nicer if I didn't, we could just have this normally. Maybe, baby. Question, follow-up question I have to that is, yes, let's get everyone who can use a design tool able to use a design tool or everyone who can't make sure that they're able to if they want to. What I wonder now is, so you have your designs online, your design system is available, you can download them, get up, et cetera. And you have ways for people to contact you. You have a Mastodon, that's great. You're like, you're out there, you're doing the cool stuff. What's next? Let's say I'm a member of the community and I use a design system and maybe I find a bug or something and I try to make some changes and I suggest it. What does Kaleidos do? What do you do to actually incorporate those people and build them into your structure in a way that doesn't, extract too much value from them without paying them. I'm not saying they have to become employees, but I'm just curious, like, how do they benefit and how do you enable community members to be more than just drive-by contributors, but actually owners of the product as well? The developers had it more easy because they can make commits to Benpot. So that is one way to contribute. And we are hoping more design commits. <laughs> 
if you have find something in Pembot that you doesn't like, if you have a UX idea or visual idea, we are more than welcome to join us and tell us. So we are expecting much more design contributions because we have code contributions and translations. All of the translations in Pembot, I think the English and Spanish are made by us, but all of the <laughs> translations are made by users. We have lot of translations. And I think that the challenge right now is design contributions because we are open to that. And I think we have design contributions, like women that may help us to rearrange a, a menu, like semantically, and another design commit. But I think the designers are not so used to make that kind of contributions. I have speaking with designer friends and they said that they are used to make suggestions that came into nothing. And it's like, why I'm going to make the effort if they are not going to take my advice? Yeah. And right now we have these channels to communicate and make contributions. And we also have the libraries and templates for the people to contribute. I think one important aspect you mentioned about building an open source product is accessibility. So I want to check it from another perspective because the accessibility you mentioned is cultural accessibility, like making it accessible for other cultures and languages or even spots in the planet where you don't have a good connection. And that's amazing. Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk about how this accessibility looks like for non-designers to engage with design because that's some aspect on accessibility that I personally would like to explore a lot on how to onboard teammates and contributors that are maybe are not designers to engage in design issues because I see a lot of excitement from them to participate. And sometimes the mainstream platforms like Figma have high barriers on letting a non-designer understand how to use it and first understand and then how to participate. So what do you think about that? I like this question a lot because it's something that worries us a lot also. But right now we just hired a customer success person, Carolina, that is amazing. And she's working right now on that. Then in a design tool, the onboarding is super, super, super important, but very much important in a tool like Pembot. As I said, we don't want to make a design tool for designers. We want to make a design tool for everyone. And that is tricky because designers, we have a lot of things that we know that works that way, like Bethier tool or a pencil tool or something like that, or that the case to scale and <laughs> things like that. But a user that is like a product manager or a developer or something like that, they don't know that. And it's very important to us. And right now we are working on this because, as I said, as a designer, sometimes I forgot that. It's like I need to take my user hat off and said like, okay, if you are new at design world and you make a Pempod account, how do, how do you start? I recognize a dashboard when I see it, but maybe my sister that is enologist doesn't <laughs> and she wants to use Pempod. 
So this is a tricky part. But I think this is a thing. And because of that, we hired Carolina. We need to put a lot of effort to make this right and make this onboarding right from the beginning. We think we are late. We are working on that now. I'm glad you are. We're running up on time. So now's a great time for the follow-up question. Where can people join in? Where can they learn more about design at Kaleidos? How can they get involved? And where can they follow along? We are always open, as I said, in GitHub, in Twitter, in Mastodon. We have also our support mail. Cool. Where can people follow you online? In my Twitter, Clara G. Vinola. That's awesome. So you can also find the link for that, of course, listeners on the profile for Clara on the podcast website or in the show notes. You can find this podcast at sosdesign.sustainoss.org. So that's where you should go for the show notes and for the links. But don't leave yet. Clara, this has been a wonderful conversation. And now we're looking to give back a bit. This is the part of the show called Spotlight. I don't know how you say that in Spanish, but I would like to know. Spotlight is where we highlight projects or people or things that need a bit more light shed on them or were very helpful or have just helped us out in the past. Memo Esparza, what is your spotlight today? My spotlight for today is a page I recently discovered I really like because it's really different from what I found about resources for creatives. It's called the creativeindependent.com. And it's a list of resources. It's a lot of different stuff, diaries, notes, articles, blog posts, and it covers a wide range of things. What I like about it is that they focus a lot of content on mental health for designers, like how to deal with creative breakdowns and stuff that aren't part of the usual education for creatives. So I really like that and uh, would love to see more alternatives like that online. My spotlight today is a person. I want to give a spotlight out to Julia Sanchez. Julia is a longtime friend of mine. We went to university together and we've kept in touch. And she translates Spanish, Portuguese, English, French, and Catalan as well. Super fantastic person, super adept translator. And I often think back to a question that she gave me when I showed up at her house with a bag full of books, as I do. And she said, what would happen if you were hit by a car on the way here? And this was the last time someone saw these books. What would that say about you? They were all men. And I'm like, oh, you're right. So thinking about what happens with the books you carry around and what they say about you is something I think about a lot, thanks to Julia Sanchez. So if you're interested in really awesome literature, check her and her work out. I think she recently translated Daniel Galera, 20 After Midnight, a wonderful novel. So thank you and gracias and obrigado, Julia. All right, Clara, what is your spotlight today? My spotlight today is a person that is called Isa Ludita. She called himself the captain of a design school in Madrid called La Nave Lodriza. And she won a National Design Prize in 2020. And she's amazing. And she's always worried about how design can improve the people's life. Awesome. Thank you. And we'll have links to her in the show notes. For now, Clara, it's been a wonderful conversation. Muchas gracias for all of it. It was really great to hear about how Kaleidos works, how Penpot works in Taiga, and how you are one of the awesome people trying to make open source work for everyone and design <laughs> work for everyone at the same time. And not just you know half the people, but like all of them. So 
Thank you so much. Good luck with everything. Listeners, if you like this and you like this conversation and you know someone else who would be good to talk to, please do get in touch. You can email us at sosdesign at sustainoss.org. That goes to all of the panelists and we'd be happy to take any feedback or comments, especially criticisms so we can improve. Please help us. And if you have guests, send it there. If you want to talk about design, well, we have a monthly working group with Sustain where we talk about design and all of its manifestations. Do get involved. You can check us out on the Sustain website or on our discourse, discourse.sustainoss.org. And of course, on Twitter at SustainOSS. Thank you so much for listening. And Clara, best of luck. And thanks again. Thank you. 